and welcome to Dig Deep, the podcast about sport, faith, and life. I am Brian Bolt, kinesiology professor and men's golf coach at Calvin College. And I'm Chad Carlson, kinesiology professor and director of general education at Hope College. And as always, we're coming to you from the audio studio of Our Daily Bread. Our Daily Bread is headquartered right here in Grand Rapids, but also has offices in 37 countries around the world. It's from these locations that Our Daily Bread is following God's call by distributing resources in over 150 countries, a ministry whose mission it is to make life-changing wisdom of the Bible understandable and accessible to all. And they do that in many ways, including the wonderful devotional that bears the ministry name Our Daily Bread. We're very grateful to Our Daily Bread for allowing us to record Dig Deep podcasts here in their studio. Brian, what's going on in the world of sport today? You know, it is uh, it is the time of year that we call the dog days. Dog days, you yes. Know what, the, yes. what do you think of when you think of the dog days? I think of laziness. I think of heat. I think of boredom, monotony. Yeah. I mean, I even looked up the phrase dog days. Apparently, it has nothing to do with dogs. It's some sort of uh, constellation in the sky where a, a star rises or is visible during the day during a certain segment of time and we're kind of right in the middle of that it's sort of from the early july to mid-august and uh apparently the star's name is great dog or something like that and <laughs> so have we bored everyone yet yeah <laughs> so anyway i looked up i looked that up to see what dog days really meant and for me i i kind of think of it the same way you do which is man it's hot yeah. It's a time potentially for uh, you to get away, maybe stop doing what you normally do. Uh, but it's also in sport, it turns out to be sort of that monotonous time. Yeah. Can you remember any? Well, I certainly, certainly can. And I'm thinking of baseball, uh, growing up loving baseball, watching baseball, watching the Cubs on television, WGN every day. And um, just knowing that at that point in time, it was sort of, at least this is the, the 1980s and early 90s, where the Cubs were inevitably going to fall out of if they were even in the pennant race at that point in time. So this is always sort of this, this like uh, evil sort of slow death to the season, knowing that in, in baseball, at least right now, we're, we're past the all-star break. We're past that excitement. We're, we're, we're well past the excitement of, of the early season and seeing what rookies might produce or you know what guys might, might be playing well this year. And yet we're not quite to the actual pennant race. But with the Cubs, they were inevitably at the bottom of what was at that point in time the nationally east i think now mm. it's three different divisions yeah. um and so it was a slow death and it was this sort of the dog days where you watched and you still had fun listening to harry Carey, at least my family did mm-hmm. and yet you knew that two times out of th- three the cubs were going to lose it's that grind time and as a, an athlete too i remember being a baseball player that there are certain aspects of that sport that lend themselves to sort of a grind. You go through ups and downs. You go through slumps. Uh, in in that time, uh, professional baseball teams can, b- because they're playing every day, can just pull themselves completely out of anything that seems relevant. Like the Cubs back in your day. I follow the Detroit Tigers. I, I think they're on a West Coast trip right now and have not won a single game. <laughs> so every game is in 100-degree heat, there's the smoke of the wildfires in California. The games don't start until 10 p.m. at night, and they lose by scoring either zero or one run every day. Yeah. 
as a as a baseball player, I remember just that thought that I don't know if I'm ever ever going to get another hit. Right. You start having this despair. Right. That maybe this game isn't for me. And that's what these guys are going through. That's what other people are going through when they think. Can you think of the dog days in any other sport? Well, the difficulty is that baseball is the summer season, right? So there are certainly other sports that have sum- summer seasons, but the fact that this this monotony, sort of that that we're in the the, the quadrant where we're we're beyond fifty percent of the season, and we're not yet to seventy five percent of the season, you know, where where we get towards the excitement of the end, right? The, the race to the finish, and so that occurs alongside uh, the summer heat. Right. And that occurs along with what you've told us, this constellation, right, that is actually called the dog days. Right. And uh, so baseball has, I think, a specifically uh, unique sort of dog days there. One of those things that baseball shares with other sports, however, is the the idea of season. This Mm. idea that there is a length of time that includes a certain amount of buildup to a particular thing, whatever that is, some culminating event. And those are some of the things that really draw us to sport, this idea that it has a window, a space of time. And within that space of time are dips and uh, elevations. Those, there are moments that we look forward to, and there are also those low moments. What causes low moments in sport to you? What, what are some of the, those times that you could remember that maybe you were not feeling great about the sport you were playing? Yeah, you know... It, it's difficult that um, our sports are set up in, in, in certain ways that I think, especially in American sport, where there's this this um, uh, postseason model, okay? And so uh, most of our American sports are set up to where you play your regular season, and then the top teams at the end of the regular season, sometimes just the top team, but the top teams then move on to a postseason uh, at, at which you, you continue to go on based on your merit, mm-hmm. right? And this isn't the model necessarily um, globally. And so we see other professional sports leagues that will have, you know, within this season, um, extra extra league events. And so they're called they're in the form of cups for soccer, right? right. So uh, one week every month in, in a professional soccer season, uh, it's a cup week, right? And so you're playing for this other thing outside of your league. So you get these moments where you can step away from the monotony of the regular season into a sort of uh, a, a different world, so to speak, right? And so for me, um, you know, as an athlete growing up and playing, sometimes the difficulties were were sort of in the in the middle of some of those seasons when you're in a drought, so to speak. And um, and yet, I think sport administrators have done a pretty good job of setting things up to where we can see um, sort of short term goals so often and so we we intersperse non-league games maybe against rivals in the midst of league seasons right or we have um, particular tournaments on, on the weekends that will sort of spice up what's going on in these in these seasons and so in, in my mind in my recollection it's not about those droughts even though I know I experienced them but certainly there are there are, are fun exciting moments uh, within the season that we build into it to make sure that we stay engaged. And I think it's a good thing for athletes and coaches and parents to recognize that um, everyone's going to go through these sorts of down periods, and sometimes the structure of the season almost dictates it. And without a visible culminating event, you're going to get yourself in a place where things get uh, monotonous, difficult, motivation wanes, and when motivation wanes, uh, 
the performance of athletes tends to dip. And so, as you mentioned, some manipulations by uh, athletic directors, by directors of sport programs, but also coaches within the space that they have. Sometimes I wonder if they lack a little creativity and how to build this interest. Because I think when we go back to it, sport has some fundamental aspects that you can't really lose. And one of those fundamental aspects is that sort of culminating event, that culminating meaningful moment. Meaningfulness really comes from that in sport. There are a lot of other things that we draw from it, but there was a gentleman by the name of Daryl Seedentop who did a lot of research in sport for essentially for physical education in schools. And he listed a number of things that really were the essence of sport, what draws us to sport. And one of those things was that it is a season, that it has this sort of time blocked period or element, but also that it had a culminating event, something to go toward. And I think about that now because my son has been playing, really practicing football, American football, all summer long. Uh, and in the spring, after the end of the season, even while he was playing baseball, football has its standard lifting requirements and uh, items like that. And it's difficult to maintain motivation for him and for his teammates when it's so long between games. It's, a, it's very difficult for players to be able to maintain that. And so they're just itching right now to get out and actually play something meaningful. You know, football is an interesting one, as, as you mentioned it, that... Um, so much of of the work year round for American football players is in the weight room, is doing conditioning, working on your body to make sure that you're as strong and as fast as possible and as massive as possible, really. And there are so few games that really every game against another team in in the football schedule, the annual football schedule, is in itself a culmination. There are so few games, at least compared to baseball, and and each game. Uh, football players play their sport so little compared to other sports, other athletes. They compete in they games. They compete so rarely, and even in practice. So, so uh, you know, golf, what are you doing in practice every day in golf? You're playing golf, right? What are you doing in basketball? In practice every day, you're playing basketball. But in football, they're really only actually playing football in practice a couple days a week usually because of the amount of of contact, right? And that, and that's one of the reasons. The other reason being sort of the cost and yeah. the number of people it takes to play football. That you never hear of pickup football, right? You never you hear of pickup flag football, maybe a little mm-hmm. bit, where people will gather in a in an open space and three on four sure, or five seven on six, on seven stuff, toss even, it around yeah, yeah. that that sort of thing. But you can pick up a basketball and just go play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you just can't do that with football, and that is one of the hard. Uh, lessons that a football player has to go through. They're mu- it's much more of a grind kind of sport. It is. It uh, is. And it, then it, it sort of lends itself more to endurance type sports such as fitness things, mm-hmm. um, marathon running, uh, competitions that require uh, swimming, for instance, mm-hmm. another sort of grind sport where your practice all the time is going to get your fitness to a level that you're able to compete at the highest level when the moment comes. Sure, and there's sometimes minimal gains, but you talk about the grind, and so many athletes really, I think, see that as a badge of honor. They've gotten through the grind every year. It's so fun to think about that, and, and a lot of it, times that, that coincides with the summer right now, and I'm thinking uh, in the church calendar as well. I'm thinking of when I teach Sunday school, we refer to the summer as there's really nothing going on in the church calendar. We refer to it as the growing season, right? And in some sense, that's exactly what the grind is. It's a, it's a growing season, but you don't necessarily see how you've grown until you get back into 
one of my yeah one of my favorite labels in the church calendar is ordinary time hmm. like that sounds great ordinary times we never describe anything entirely as ordinary time but the dog days really feel it's ordinary in many ways like ordinary yeah. time it's the regular rhythm of life and that idea kind of speaks to us uh, in our humanness as well god set us up to be people of rhythm to everything, there is a time. I think the birds made that famous, but where did the birds get that? Of course, <laughs> from Ecclesiastes, where we have this reminder that to everything, there is a season. There are opportunities for us to to be born and to die, to plant, to uh, weep, to gather stones. I, I, I don't know what that time is, but we do yeah, gather well, stones. Yeah, okay. Right? Yeah. All that stuff. And a time to laugh and stuff. play and dance. And I think we can make some connections there to sport. We certainly can. And one of the fun things about this time of year uh, also regarding sport, yeah, we're in the dog days. We've gotten through the dog days, maybe in some sense because we're in August. But uh, there's excitement for the, the, the season to come, right? This is a period in, in scholastic sport, at least in the United States, where there's a great deal of excitement around football, but also around other fall sports coming back together, coming back to start the school year. And, and so there's a lot of excitement there. And so that feeling of, in some ways, rebirth that sport offers us, because every season, if we think about it, nearly every season ends in disappointment. There's one team that walks away with a trophy, but every other team along the way has ended their season, if it's a playoff format, with a loss. Everybody ends with that bitter time period. And losing is one of those things that feels like it can uh, drag out in terms of time. And we affiliate with the dog days, losing or injury or long breaks between uh, culminating events. Are all, all, all those things give us a, a sense that we're anticipating something, waiting for something to be over so that we can get redemption. Mm -hmm. In this case, it is sport redemption. Waiting for another chance. This is part of the beauty of sport is that there is another time. There's another chance. And although when we're talking about kids growing up, it's not necessarily that as you move through different levels of sport, what we see in, in, in sport in its most healthy is the opportunity to play again and again. If you lose one time, you play the next time and have a chance to redeem yourself, have a chance to play better, have a chance to do better. And so often our sport affords us that. This is why we play conference rivals year in and year out, league rivals. We play them again and again in order to be able to show that the next time we hope we can be better than the previous time. And that's part of the excitement of sport right now as we've gotten through and may, or maybe at the end of the dog days is thinking about the upcoming season, knowing that last season we had our ups, we had our downs. Most teams end with a loss, like you said, or maybe you, you wish that you had done something differently or more. Here's the next opportunity. How exciting that is, how, how refreshing that is. And in sport, that end that we spoke of is so starkly different for the winner and the loser. And I just saw it. I was watching actually a doubles women's badminton championship with, on TV. I don't know how I flipped to it on television, oh. but it was yeah. unbelievably competitive, fantastic right down to the end and the two teams uh, amazing points if you see high level badminton it's just it's unbelievably quick and uh, a very popular sport around the world not really here in the united states that much but an exciting game and in the end two teams just 
have such opposite experiences. One shoots its hands in the air, and the other team falls actually directly to to the gym floor mm-hmm. uh, in anguish. And really, that describes sport in just about every circumstance, just this completely opposite experiences. And what lifts you from that space is that sense that this isn't the end. Mm-hmm. It's the end of this today, but tomorrow I'll get up, I'll practice, I'll play, and I'll build in the new season toward trying this again. And that's the deal. That's the, the agreement that we step into when we play sport. We agree to experience some of that downside so that we have the possibility of that elation moment, on the, that moment that we, that we win and walk away with that feeling of excitement. That's what makes the joy of victory so sweet is that we've all experienced the agony of defeat. And I think there's a parallel there to our walk with Christ that all fall short. There's no doubt about that. That so often we fall short. Uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find an athlete that has won every single time their entire lives. We just That doesn't happen in sport. We all fall short at some point in time. And, and yet the, the ability to, to play again tomorrow, to play again uh, the next instantiation, to get better the next day, to continue to improve, um, there, is, there is hope in, in all of that, hope in the potential for, for redemption, be able to play again. Um, but that's what makes sport so sweet for us is that we have these emotional highs and lows, and yet we know that we're afforded another chance. And in the gospel, we're told that as well, that uh, we are given new life in Christ. Um, day in and day out, we know we will never get to the point of perfection, and yet through Christ, everything's do- been done for us. And so there is hope of a new tomorrow, a new and better tomorrow. And what you just described there, what Michael Novak called the, really the joy of sport, mm-hmm. is what the Apostle Paul recognized when he was watching really the ancient games in Corinth or other places in the in the Middle East where he's watching competition and what he's he was Paul wasn't endorsing sport necessarily as something that all Christians ought to do instead he was recognizing or noticing in the athlete the all-consuming nature of sport how it captures our minds our hands and our hearts and made he made a parallel then to following Jesus Christ if you can understand what the athlete is doing then it can help you understand the call of Jesus Christ, how he calls us to him, and how he asks for our minds, our hands, and our hearts. And it's a, it's a great parallel for us to remember, and, and Paul used it over and over again in the New Testament. He sure did, and this is a guy who, who lived it himself and understood rebirth in a major way, a guy that went from persecuting Christians to then leading Christians, seeing uh, new birth, new life, what Jesus Christ can do for us. And, and there is an interesting parallel in sport that, that we get new chances. And, and Paul certainly saw that and also saw the discipline with these athletes. He understood what it took to become an, an Olympic or an Isthmian game athlete, right, in, in Corinth. Right. It, it took a great deal of training, and it took sitting down at the beginning of each day for the athletes and saying, how am I going to get better today and continually get better every single day? And there's a parallel there to our Christian faith, isn't there? Trying to be better, trying to do what we can to allow Jesus Christ to grow in our hearts. And fortunately, that is not up to us. The Holy Spirit works in each of us as we uh, continue to listen to the Holy Spirit, we continue to grow. And it's just hard for us to to let go of that sort of control. And at the same time, to uh, have this, this wonderful life for us to participate in here, which includes sport here on earth, 
and to be able to then walk in Christ and walk out our Christian lives in everything we do, in our jobs, in our family, and also in our sport. And maybe that's our lesson for today. Our lesson is that sport, like life, has seasons, and those seasons are going to challenge us at times. They're going to make us feel down. Uh, Often what they'll do is they'll put us in a position where we may have to grind for long periods of time not really understanding or knowing what's next. And that parallel is there for us all the time. We think about the 40 years that the people of God, the chosen people of the Israelites spent in the land between, right, the land between Egypt and that promised land. Sometimes those seasons are long. Uh, The grind, that was not those are not the dog days. Those are the dog years. And that through Christ we have hope and, uh, and redemption. And when we think about who did that, sometimes that happens by our own um, mistake. You know, sometimes we're, we're put into a situation where we're sort of brought down by some sort of bad choice that we've made. But Joshua and Caleb went into that promised land, came back with a glowing report and said, let's go. And yet Joshua and Caleb had to wait 40 years before they could go into the promised land. They had to endure the longest dog days uh, I, can, <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, and ultimately, they made it into the promised land. I think uh, they were over 80 years old when they, when they finally moved into the promised land. Everybody else had passed. Everybody else had died in the desert, and they made it in. Uh, the culminating event for their lives. A great parallel for us and a great interesting story for us to... Uh, maybe end here. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to learn more about the Second Global Congress on Sport and Christianity, please feel free to follow us online. We're on iTunes here with our podcast, otherwise following us on Twitter, at Sport Theology. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the Congress, the podcast, topics on sport and faith that we might, uh, we might get into in the lead up here between now and October of 2019. Thanks for listening.